0: You talk about our coal combustion residuals, fly ash, you say, well, I've already burned it, what can I do with it? And then with the coal, part of what we're doing is sequestering that carbon, finding alternate uses, and hopefully employing people and doing good things, right?
1: This is Energy Cast and I'm Jay Downhauer. Today we're talking about the future of coal and how it might have an even more important role to play beyond power. Now call me a dinosaur, but I'm a big fan of coal. I don't think its demise is as certain as we think. And even if we closed all the plants here in the U.S., there are many countries that still need it. My guess says coal has a big future in the materials space. Now we know the construction industry has been using coal ash from spent coal to reinforce concrete for years. But my guess says there are valuable materials to be made from coal before it has been fired in a power plant. He breaks it down like this. If you want high strength and electrically conductive materials, use coal. If you want lightweight or insulating materials, use the fly ash. The secret, he says, is mixing coal and composites mixed with their quote, super glue sealant or resin to make materials that are stronger, lighter and more heat resistant than many metals or plastics. Even the unburned coal is fireproof, believe it or not. Now my guess is that someday we might see skyscrapers built out of of its coal composites. Roofing tiles are ideal for the application, and bringing this back around to energy, coal can be used as a superior ingredient for batteries. So even if we wind down coal power plants in this country, there's a potentially bright future for coal as the ideal source of materials for the future. My guest today is Bill Easter, CEO of XMAT, a coal-based material science company based in Orlando. XMAT began in 2013 as a spinoff of Simplastics. Since XMAT's inception, they have received several grants from the Department of Energy and the National Energy Technology Laboratory, or NETL. We spoke about utilization technologies with NETL back in episode 81. Bill got his start in the semiconductor business at Bell Labs. He describes the challenges and ultimate breakthroughs developing materials for the Department of Energy energy in this interview. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Bill Easter. We're here with Bill Easter, CEO of XMAT, and Bill, way back in our fifth episode, we discussed gasification technology that that founder believed could yield low-cost graphene. Is that what you're making, or are these different kinds of materials?
0: We're making different things. We're actually making a ceramic composite material system. So if you sort of think of it like we have a super glue sealant, and we can take composite materials, we can take coal, fly ash, and make mix them together and make lightweight, fireproof, carbon sequestered strong systems. It's sort of surprising people. i like to emphasize the fireproof and the carbon sequestered. So if I take a ton of coal and burn it, I'm going to get two tons approximately of carbon dioxide, right? If I take coal and I put it in our materials, the carbon will be totally sequestered. There will not be the CO2. Pretty cool stuff.
1: Absolutely. And do you prefer coal or coal ash for these materials? Because look, the coal, you got the BTU value of it. That's
0: an excellent question. Part of the problem of our technology is it can do too many things, Jay. Mm. And so coal can give us higher strength applications, electrically conductive, lithium batteries, so the coal would be associated with that. Fly ash is lighter weight and has insulation applications. You could put them in panels or insulation. It's really what are the end uses.
1: How are these materials superior to metals and plastics? You say that on your website.
0: So with respect to metal, steel is 6 grams per cc density is very heavy. Even aluminum's 2.7, which is kind of the lightest. We're 1.8, 1.2 gram per cc. So we're going to be lighter than metals. With, with respect to plastics, we're going to handle a lot higher temperatures. Our base material can go a 1,000 C continuous. Plastics will just sort of fade away mm-hmm. mechanically after 200 C. And even aluminum, even though it melts about 600 C, it really doesn't handle over 200 C.
1: I talk a lot about energy storage, lithium ion batteries by extension. So what part are you playing in that? How are these materials being used to improve lithium ion technology? That's
0: a great question. So the property that I would, take you to is energy density. We're really looking at the anode. Right now they're using graphite. We can double or triple the energy density of brand new graphite. The problem with a lot of this is no one believes at the beginning, right? (laughs) No one believed this, that we could take coal and make parts that were strong out of it and they wouldn't burn. And that's kind of the situation with the graphite. Although I would say we did get a million dollar contract from the DOE. So they do believe that we can at least do it with the coal. But the recycled graphite, people just can't can't imagine that it could happen because the current Thinking is, hey, the purity has to be 99.98%. Well, if it's recycled graphite, it's about
1: 88%. What makes recycling graphite so challenging?
0: Science kind of moves along paths, and right? So when you (laughs) challenge orthodoxy, the orthodoxy is it has to be 99.98% carbon for it to work. Everyone takes their graphite and they get it pure when you say, hey, I can take something that's spent and thrown in the dump. That's the other thing that's kind of inconvenient is I think 95% of lithium-ion batteries are now go to landfill lead acid batteries actually are the best recycled thing going. It's a tremendous system they have for that. Here we have this cleaner energy and we're not necessarily taking care of the products of it.
1: <laughs> in fact, I'm hosting a panel at PowerGen, supposed to be December, but now it looks like it's going to be in April, where I've got some big heavy hitters in the lithium-ion space talking about what are we going to be doing to recycle lithium-ion <laughs> batteries. And-, and So
0: I would say we could be part of the Anna give us a chance and let us work on it. Materials take a long time. That's why I can't from Bell Labs, it came from big companies, and it really takes too long to get some of these material systems going, so you kind of have to be a little nuts like us, right,
1: Getting into more of the business side of it, I talked to a lot of companies like yours where you have an almost unlimited amount of application. It's almost like a problem of too many riches, right? So what sectors are you focusing on? How do you see the business expanding from there?
0: Construction or building materials. We almost have a vision of making a house out of coal materials. We can make the roof tiles. We can make blocks, bricks, panels, insulation. I think we can do just about everything but the window. Yeah and really make them so they're fireproof which you wouldn't think you're talking coal and you're talking fireproof that's sort of the first thing you have to get over with (laughs) if you look at our website we kind of show that and then it's actually stronger right it's all kind of crazy that this could be construction building materials and then i really think we can help out on the anode. If you can increase the energy density and the cycle life, those are very positive things. A lot of the research funding is driving the first areas that we're looking at. Where will this eventually go is transportation, because almost everything we make is going to be lighter weight than the current stuff there. And higher temperature operations. So there's a real hole between say 200 C and 700 C, and we can fill that hole with our materials.
1: With the building materials, I'm thinking it'd be comparable to something like cinder blocks.
0: (laughs) In a way it would, not to get super technical, but compressive strength is what they're used for and they really don't have very good flexural strength i have to use a lot of weight or a lot of material to build a certain structure what if i told you my flexural strength was five to ten x i could use maybe a third of those materials, or I could make a building that's twice as high, right? You sort of have to get to what could be built. If I can improve the flexural strength and what could an architect do, what could you build? Could you build skyscrapers? I think you could. I think you could make support columns. We just want a contract for fly ash and against concrete. I think even at the beginning, we haven't even started. I think we were 5x stronger in flexural strength, which is kind of mind blowing. It's almost like you got this crazy guy on the other side of the phone. And it's like, how can that be right?
1: Yeah, right because probably those materials have been used for over a hundred years you oh, know yeah. even the newest stuff we are talk,
0: talking millennia right yeah you're saying you can do this and it's like we have the data and so you have to move it from sort of test tube to beaker to pilot line, right? And then move it into a factory. In each of those steps, there's challenges as you scale. And those are technical challenges and financial challenges. Will you be able to scale it at each step? Investors are concerned about that. Generally, if you have it in a manufacturing line and you have all the customers lined up, more conservative investors are interested. And the farther you get closer to that test tube, (laughs) you have to take a lot more risk to get involved in those kinds of things.
1: Would all this serve as a really good sink for all the coal, especially the coal ash that's out there?
0: Yeah, I don't want to say that we're going to replace concrete. Let's say we were able to carve out some subsection of that. Concrete worldwide, it may push close to 100 trillion pounds. And in our heyday, we mined a trillion and a half pounds. And then when you burn it, you about take it down 10%. And that's kind of close. We're also... Part of this contract to make them replace calcium carbonate and talc in plastics, right? Mm-hmm. That's about what the plastics market is for filler worldwide about 150 billion pounds the united states is really nothing i think china is using like 10 trillion pounds of coal a year it's staggering they use it for power and for a lot of chemicals as well this
1: plastic issue has gotten so big and the stuff in the ocean would there be a way to replace that
0: yeah i think that's what happens at the end of life some of the building materials we could take the roof tiles and grind them up and then put them in the road. That's a really great point. The circular economy, if you talk about our coal combustion residuals, fly ash, you say, well, I've already burned it. What can I do with it? Can I do something good with it so I don't throw it into the landfill or whatever? And then our technology can actually seal in things, right? Because people are worried about deleterious things happening. I think we can seal it up, make it environmentally benign, and also make it into products. And then with the coal, part of what we're doing is sequestering that carbon, finding alternate uses and hopefully employing people and doing good things, right?
1: Yeah. What are your conversations like with utilities and coal producers? Because utilities have all this coal ash, and I think what they're planning on doing is just going to throw it away. (laughs) right? Would you envision something more of like a joint venture?
0: We've talked to some utilities and we've certainly talked to more coal producers and they're very interested in what we're doing. They want us to move the technology farther down the line to reduce the risk because you worked at big companies. They really want to have all the risks out before they get involved. We're kind of moving down this path and showing them what we're doing. And we're a little company, so licensing, joint ventures, are all things that we're interested in.
1: Yeah, and I see you have many other grants from DOE and NETL. I did an episode on NETL's utilization wing. Was it hard finding grants that were written to your technology? You know, sometimes these grants are written specifically where (laughs) you're outside of their scope.
0: The NETL and the DOE have been very supportive of what we're doing. Again, I told you I started an electric, electronics. To break into a new field, it takes time. You got to go to the conferences, the symposiums. (laughs) You got to get familiar with the technologies and issues that they're having. Our first grant was a cold Products grant, and that's the one that we did the roof tiles, we won a phase one, phase two. Then we won one with the DOE on the anode materials from coal. And that one we solicited on our own. We just won the fly ash one. And then there's three funding opportunity announcements. And they were asking, can you make stuff out of coal. We just went for that. We think we can build a house, I said. that. Yeah. <laughs> this sort of comes back to how do you break into business, <laughs> and you need to find the areas that you can get a little higher margin at the beginning, then start in compete with materials that have been made for millennia, right? That's kind of hard to break in at the very high volume, low cost
1: point. Bill, are you manufacturing these materials on a large scale at this point?
0: We're moving to pilot scale. I mentioned that roof tile grant this next year we need to make the 100 square feet then that'll get all kinds of testing we're not quite to the pilot scale yet. I'd say the roof tiles could pop out in a couple of years.
1: Sure. And where would you locate a facility for this kind of manufacturing? Would it be located near the ash where the ash is deposited or or maybe even a coal mine?
0: That's a great point because I was shocked when I went to Wyoming, coal's two, three cents a pound and they're talking transportation costs like a nickel a pound. (laughs) That's stunning. Yeah, manufacturing should be near the point of extraction as close as it can be for or the fly ash or coal combustion residuals, you'd want to be near the power plant, and then ideally you'd want a mine mouth operation if you could. And I saw one of those in North Dakota be involved with that and to put the land back like it was. If we're using it, it's either grown or mined, and we live in a society that doesn't recognize that. Jay, a car your house, your cell phone. I think somehow we have to start having intelligent conversations. You can't say, I'm gonna use this cell phone, but there's not gonna be any mining anywhere in the world. You can't have it that way. So I'm for whatever energy source is rational for that particular location as environmentally benign as possible but they're trade-offs that's my soapbox
1: <laughs> no that's great i like the idea that yeah it would be a mind mouth operation but this time for making materials as opposed to a typical coal plant well it would be a coal plant wouldn't it it would be a coal plant for yeah, materials it would
0: be and so it's a whole different so instead of two tooth- three cents a pound, you're now at a dollar a pound or something like that. West Virginia, Wyoming, North Dakota, they just send their minerals somewhere else and they're not able to take advantage of it. Part of our vision is factories and jobs for people in those areas. And then your tax base, you get a lot more money on taxes, right? It's a dollar instead of two cents. That's kind of my joke. I lived in both West Virginia and Texas and what's the difference between Texas and West Virginia? Well, Texas takes the oil and turns it into plastics and then chemicals. West Virginia ships the coal out to other power plants to burn it at that power plant. I have friends in West Virginia said, we were dumb. We should have built the power plants and sold the power.
1: That's right. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in both of those places too. Bill, going to finish with a lightning round of your thoughts on different energy technologies, starting with natural gas.
0: It's a game changer. It's the most important thing in the last 10 years.
1: Crude oil.
0: Transportation can't get rid of it. And there's a whole host of products that come from that our society couldn't live without nuclear it's clean and it's always on coal still need it need that for the grid wind great for windy places solar great for sunny places good technology need a lot of land
1: biofuels
0: i think a sugar cane You may cut that one out. That'll get me in trouble.
1: <laughs> no, I'm from Louisiana. I'm with you on that. Hydroelectric.
0: I think if you have the dam already there, it's a great thing. A lot of controversy on building dams these days, but if the dam's there, it's fantastic. Geothermal. If they can get a higher temperature and they need higher temperature materials, they can get closer to the supercritical. And I think the efficiency goes up incredibly, like 80, 90 percent. The problem is they need to get it almost steam-like, get lower, and so they need materials that are higher temperature. And I actually think we can help them.
1: Energy storage.
0: It's critical for renewables. Got to have it.
1: Electric vehicles. They're cool. Energy efficiency.
0: Best practices. Always have to have best practices.
1: And then finally, fusion power.
0: Love to see it work. We might not need any of these other ones, right? If we can get that one going, right?
1: All right, Bill Easter, XMAT, thank you so much for your time.
0: Thank you, Jay.
1: That was Bill Easter, CEO of XMAT, a coal-based material science company based in Orlando. At the time of this recording, Bill and his team had just announced a $1.4 million prize from the Department of Energy to develop materials from coal waste. This is an addition to their prizes for anodes and roofing tiles. I want to thank Bill for his time as well as Shelby Iger at Wellens Communications for setting this up. You can find plenty of pictures on energy-cast.com as well as on Instagram and parlor at Hosted energy and twitter at host energy cast all guests are sent the and completed audio the week of release so far no complaints be sure to leave us a positive review on itunes that gets the word out music was produced by sean stroop at stroop loops that wraps up episode 96 be sure to join us next week we learn how a breakthrough could give all waste plastics a second life powering our lives until then i'm jay downhower we'll see you next time